It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, go to ellerslie.com. Uh, if you have your Bibles, Philippians chapter 3. Uh, super, super excited about tonight, probably because uh, this is probably one of my all-time favorite concepts uh, that I ever teach around here. And I keep coming back to this probably in every, uh, every session. If you listen to all my sessions, there's probably an undercurrent of this somewhere in the session. Uh, and I think part of this is because this has been so transformational in my life uh, over the last 20 years. Uh, it just keeps popping out everywhere else. So in Philippians chapter 3, I just want to read this. Uh, Paul is talking about the kind of his uh, resume, if you will, his context, uh, his background, if you will. And just listen to what Paul says. Uh, this is in Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 4. Paul says, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, and as to the righteousness which is in the law, I was found blameless. Now, pause. Do you realize what Paul is doing? He, he's setting up his pedigree or he's setting up his resume. And he basically, if I can put some words to it, he's saying, I am the best. Uh, I have the right background. I have the right education. I have the right upbringing. I have the right family. I, I mean, I grew up in the right places. I had the right teachers. I mean, I, I have this thing all put together. And I know that when you look at the list, it's probably not impressive, like in our modern culture. Like, no one oohed and awed when we said that he was circumcised on the eighth day. Like, I didn't see any of you stand up and cheer like, wow, that's impressive. Like, none of you are impressed the fact that he's of the nation of Israel or the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, the fact that he was a Pharisee or a persecutor of the church. But do but you realize that as he's walking through his list, in his culture, in his day, what he's saying is, I have this all together. If anyone could actually pull off the Old Testament, Paul says, I, I had this thing down. But listen to what he says about all of this. He goes on and says, but whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness, which is from God upon faith. And then listen to his final statement. He says that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. I don't know if you hear the emphasis of what Paul's saying, but I find this incredibly profound. He's saying, I have the right background, I have the right upbringing, I have the right education, I went to the right schools, I attended Ellerslie. I mean, I have this thing figured out. And in terms of pulling this off in your own ability, I, I am the best of the best of the best. But then do you hear what he said? I am actually willing to take all of that, all, all, the, all the advantage that I've always had, all the things that I put my, my hope in, all, all of the pride areas of my life, that when someone says, hey, tell me about yourself, I, I always go, hey, let me tell you about my education. Oh, let me tell you about what I do for a job. Oh, let me tell you about this. All the stuff that I would normally brag about, he says, I've actually counted as a loss in light of Jesus. 
In fact, he says, I'm willing to count all things loss. And there's this incredible exchange that's happening in the passage where Paul is saying, I'm actually willing, all, all the advantage that I've ever had, all of the, the hard work, all, all of the self-effort, all, all of the, the gusto and oomph of my own ability, and in light of Jesus, it really is nothing. Uh, again, just listen to verse 7 and 8. He says, whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as a loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost. And do you know what the word all in Greek means? It does mean all. He is willing to count everything lost because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And then get this. It's not that he's just willing to count them as a loss. He says, I'm willing to count them as rubbish in light of knowing Jesus. Now, it's probably good that most of us don't know Greek because if you look up the word for rubbish, uh, it is probably as close to a swear word in scripture you can get to without it being a swear word. I mean, this is like, it is borderline sketchy, if, if, I, if I can be honest, uh, in the Greek. And I don't know what you think of when you hear the word rubbish, but I, I, I think of like uh, trash. Sounds like a British term, right? Put it in the rubbish bin, like over there, just put it in the rubbish bin, right? It just, it's like one of those terms where you, it just sounds very nice and kind and calm. But, but when you get into this word, scubalon means this. It literally just means dung. It means rubbish. And as you get into this, uh, it, it could mean waste or garbage or dregs. It's a great word. Uh, but but here's, here's the emphasis. It's any material unused and rejected as worthless or unwanted especially solid excrement of animals. And specifically, and this is really neat in the context of chapter three, but it's specifically talking about dog dung. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I mean, I had a dog for a couple months of my life. Uh, and then I had to get rid of her when I moved out here. But it was, it was interesting. I, I had this really cute dog for a season and it, I would go outside and she would leave presents. And, and never once did I look at the gifts that she was giving and think, oh, I'm going to keep that. <laughs> like, like never once did I go out with a little Ziploc baggie and take some and hang out on my refrigerator and, and cherish this. Why? It's, I, you don't cherish this stuff. You, 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 you get rid of it as much as possible. In fact, you know, around here, people hire this thing out because they don't want to deal with it. Right? And other people come and pick up the gifts that their, their friends leave them. Right? And, and, and do you realize what Paul is saying here? This is such a strong emphasis in the passage. He says, look, I, I have all this great background. I have all this right, right education. I came from the right people group. And, and, and I have all these things I could brag about. But in light of Jesus, I'm actually willing to count them as loss. I'm willing to actually lay those things aside. All of that thing that I would naturally gravitate and grip in the natural realm, I'm actually willing to lay those things down in light of knowing Jesus. In fact, Paul says, as I ponder it, I'm actually willing to lay everything down in light of knowing Jesus. In fact, I'm not just willing to lay it down. I'm willing to look at everything in my life, not just the stuff that was an advantage, but everything in my life and literally see it like dog dung in view of knowing Jesus. Do you know how good Jesus has to be to be able to look at your life and every aspect of your life and count it but dung in view of just knowing him? He is amazing. 
Now, as you come to the passage then, uh, there's something that's really important, which is this idea of knowing a little, little bit of Greek. And this is not going to be a Greek lesson, but I want you to know just three words. Because if you understand the words, then it's really going to help open up this passage. Now, we've gone through this countless times, but English is a very thin language. Does that make sense? Uh, For example, we have like the word love in English. And we have the word like, but we really only have one word for the word love. The Greeks, they had four different words. For this thing. So depending on how you wanted to talk about love, you had a language that allowed you to have a depth of conversation. Where English is thin. We just have one word. Uh, the other thing that's really neat about Hebrew and Greek is that it's very picturesque. They all paint pictures. And so as you get into the, the concepts, what you find is that it's very visual, which for a visual person, I, that makes me very excited. It's like a coloring book, you know, <laughs> or a little kid's book as you're, as you're studying because it, it just paints pictures. So what I want to do is I, I want to give you three, the primary three words that are used in the New Testament for the word knowledge. Again, Paul says, I'm willing to count all things but dung if I would just know Jesus. So the question then is, what does it mean to know Jesus? So I just want to give you the three primary words that are used in the New Testament. There's some other ones, and there's variations of all these. But if you were to simplify it, here are the three main words. You ready for this? The first word is the word nostos. And again, you have to play my games. So say nostos. nostos. And if you don't play the game, by the way, you have to come up and sing a solo. Okay, so you, you, you want to participate. Okay, so say nostos. nostos. <laughs> Whoever's listening to the podcast is like, what? Nostos. <laughs> you know, don't call on me. Nostos, it means knowledge, but it's knowing something in the sense of like facts, data, and information. Right? Two plus two is Five, right? If you went to the public school, uh, right? It's it's just it's details, it's facts, it's just information. So uh, you you go and you get this piece of newspaper, and you read the newspaper, and the headline says something, and you gain some information. What kind of knowledge is that? Oh, that's nostos. It's just facts, it's just data, it's just information kind of stuff. And if you just want an example of this in scripture, uh, the one that I typically use is from Acts chapter one. Uh, Peter. Uh, Jesus just ascended into heaven. Peter stands up in the first business meeting uh, of the early church, and he's talking about Judas. And, and listen to what Peter says about Judas. He says, now this man, Judas, acquired a field with the price of his iniquity or his unrighteousness. And falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his intestines gushed out, which is intense. And it became known, nostos, to all those who were living in Jerusalem. So you say, okay, you're telling me that everyone in Jerusalem knew about what Judas did, that Judas went out and hung himself. Well, how on earth did all of Jerusalem know? Well, you, you would, this, this is logical, right? My guess is not everyone actually knew Judas, right? This is during the Passover time. So Jerusalem swells. I mean, we're talking hundreds of thousands of people. So how on earth would everyone in Jerusalem know about what Judas did? Well, that one's easy, right? They, that morning, they went out to the front porch, and on the front porch was Jerusalem Times. Headline said, man hung himself, intestines gushed out. There's a little stick figure, right? It was horrible, right? And everyone knew about it. Okay, that's, you know, <laughs> it's probably not how they found out. But, but, but you, you know how the gossip thing works, right? Where, you know, if, if someone had, in the middle of Passover, had hung themselves, and 
intestines gushed out, right? This thing's going to start, you know, it's going to be a rumor thing. And everyone's going to start, hey, did you hear about that thing? And did you hear about that thing? Could you imagine? And and now there's a whole hubbub of of what Judas did. But But no one has relationship with Judas. It's just, it's a newspaper headline. It's just facts, it's data, it's information. So does that make sense? That's, that's nostos. Now, another word for the word knowledge in Greek is the word oida. So say oida. oida. Now, oida, isn't that fun? That's a fun one to say, actually. You should say that one again. Say oida. oida. Now, oida is very different than nostos. See, nostos was the facts, the data, and in, in the information. Oida is this idea of like perception. It's this idea of understanding. Uh, it's, this, it's like, you know, we would say something like, say something like oh, I see that. And it's not that I see it, it's that you see it. Do you see it? Right? It's like, you know, we say things like, oh, the the light bulb's turned on. Right? All all the crayons are in the box. Or, you know, whatever it is that you use. Right? That that, that they have a perception, that there's, there's this clarity, that there's this... And so that's the kind of knowledge that this word is. Uh, Sometimes this word is actually translated sight. Uh, but again, it's this idea of knowing something, perception, understanding. So here's, here's an example. In John 14, Thomas comes up to Jesus and asks Jesus a question. And he says, Lord, we do not oida where you are going. How can we oida the way? Did you know what Thomas is asking Jesus? Thomas is asking Jesus, Jesus, I know we've been with you for three years, but we have not a clue what you're doing. <laughs> Which had have been depressing to Jesus. I mean, I'm depressed reading about it. I mean, could you imagine you've been hanging out with this guy for three years and he comes up to you and just says, I don't get it. The light bulb has not turned on. I have no perception. I got no clue. I I don't know what you're doing. And of course, Jesus makes that phenomenal statement. Thomas, let me tell you what's happening. I'm it. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Hey, Thomas, you want to know where all this is heading? You, you want to know what this whole thing's about? Hey, you, you want to know what this, hey, what, what's, what's happening? I'm it. I am the totality of what we're talking about, Thomas. So get a clue. <laughs> so we have nostos, right? Facts, data, information. We have oida, which is perception and understanding. And then we have what is probably my all-time favorite Greek word, which is the word gnosko. So say gnosko. Gnosko is interesting in the fact that it is used in a variety of different ways, but the primary way it seems to be used in Scripture is this idea of knowing something, but knowing something because you've experienced it, or knowing it because of relationship, or knowing it because you have this intimate understanding of, of, of something. So let me give you one of my favorite illustrations. Uh, I was driving down the road some, some time ago, and I saw a sign. And if you came up to me and says, Nathan, what is the speed limit of that road? I would go, that one's easy. I nostosed it 35 miles an hour. But one day I was traveling on that road and I looked in my rearview mirror and there was a party. Lights were flashing, music was playing. And I was like, ah, this is a party. I should probably pull over so that I could participate in the party. So I pull over to the side of the road, and could you believe this? This guy from this party vehicle comes out in a full party outfit with a party hat, and he knocks on my window and says, sir, I would love to invite you to the party, 
but I'm going to need to see your license and registration. I said, absolutely. I'd be happy to let you see my license registration because I want to participate in the party. So he took my license and my registration and went back to the party vehicle. And then do you, know, do you know what he did? He came back to me and he gave me this little yellow piece of paper. And it was proof that I got to participate in the party. And I got to pay $247 to participate in the party. Woo! Now, you come up to me. And you say, Nathan, what's the speed limit on that road? I'd say, 35 miles an hour. And you say, how do you know that? I'd say, I experienced it. <laughs> See, that's very different than seeing a sign. <laughs> okay, maybe that one didn't make sense to you. Let me give you my other favorite illustration. Uh, some years, years and years and years and years and years ago, like what, last year, uh, <laughs> Just kidding. This is a long time ago. I, I, was, I was really interested in a particular topic. I was really interested in the topic of kissing. And Eric's interested too. I could see it. <laughs> and so, so what would any red-blooded American male do? Well, I got on a Wikipedia. Did you know that, that Wikipedia has so many details about kissing? They had the history of kissing. They had diagrams about kissing. They had head tilts and, and techniques and, you know, they had strategy. I mean, they, I, I learned so much about kissing. Isn't that awesome? And, I, and some of you already know where I'm going with all this. But, but I've seen a few of the bubble thoughts and, I, and you're like, Nathan, there's a better way, you know? which none of us should know unless you're married. But, but you realize that there's a difference between knowing about something and knowing it. Well, like, like I, could, I could describe my 12-year-old niece to you, right? I, and I could talk about how tall she is and what she likes to do and, you know, the color of her hair. And, but that's very different than me hanging out and playing with Paisley. All right, like we, we, we could know a lot about chocolate cake and we can memorize the ingredient list and, and we can know the technique and, and how long to put it in and when to pull it out. But that's very different than eating it. And if I had a preference, well, I have a preference. <laughs> and isn't it interesting that, <laughs> sorry, that was bad. True, but it, uh, you do realize that experiencing something is very different than knowing about something. That, that you can know a lot about something and actually never know it. Now, this idea shows up in Scripture, and it's used in a variety of ways. One of the ways it's used, and don't go crazy with this. This is not the primary way, but just to show the emphasis here. One of the ways it's used is in the sense of, like, marital intimacy, which I think is really interesting. Uh, for example, in, in Luke chapter 1, Gabriel comes to Mary and says, Woo, congratulations, you're with child. And then listen to what Mary says. Mary said to Gabriel, How can this be since I do not know, gnosko, a man? Now, you know, obviously, what she's not saying is, oh, what's a man? Could you point one out to me? I've never seen one before. You know, that's the, you know that's not what she's saying, right? She's saying, I've never been with a guy. And so that's one of the ways this word is used. Uh, but this word is used over and over and over throughout the scriptures to talk about, again, knowing something because you've experienced it. For example, have you ever wanted to know what eternal life really is? Like, you know, if you come to the church... We, we throw out the term eternal life all the time. But what is eternal life? Because you recognize eternal life is more than longevity. It's not about forever stuff. Because if you die and go to hell, you go on forever. 
So we're not talking about longevity. So what, what is eternal life? Do you know that Jesus answered that question? In John chapter 17, verse 3, he, he's doing the high priestly prayer. So this is right after the whole upper room scene, and he's, he's down, and, he, and he's praying. He's praying to the Father. And Jesus says this about eternal life. Listen to this, John 17, verse 3. Jesus says, this is eternal life, that they might gnosko you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Do you realize that according to Jesus, eternal life is not knowing about Jesus, it's knowing Jesus. And there is a world of difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. Because you, you, could, you, could, you could do all the studies, you could have all the academics. Do you realize that, that you could do everything perfectly, die, and still go to hell? Because it's not about the information. No, we're not against information. And you need information. We're not against information. But do you realize if all you have is information, that does not get you into heaven. And I can prove that to you. Uh, we, we have, in the modern church, we've taken uh, salvation and dumbed it down to a true and false test, haven't we? Uh, you, you come to this church and the pastor says, all right, let, let's see if you're ready to be saved. Uh, do you believe that uh, Jesus came to earth? Well, yeah, true. Do you believe that J Jesus died upon the cross? Well, yeah, yeah, true. Do you believe that he rose again? True. Woo! Congratulations, you're a Christian. No, you're not. And I can prove that to you because if you walked up to Satan, you realize you'd go, Satan, did, did Jesus come to earth? Yeah, true. Uh, did Jesus die upon the cross? Uh, yeah, true. Did he rise again? Yes, true. Woo! Congratulations, you're a Christian. No, you're not. Do, do you recognize that, that just having the details and the information and knowing when to stand up and when to sit down and having all the doctrine figured out, that actually doesn't equate to salvation. What equates to salvation? According to Jesus, relationship. It's not just knowing about him. It's actually having intimacy and relationship and intimacy with him. It's sharing life with him. Uh, maybe one of the scariest passages in scripture for me is Matthew chapter 7. Uh, Jesus is coming to the end of the uh, Sermon on the Mount. And in, in Matthew chapter 7, listen to what Jesus says. This is, this is such a scary passage. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But it's he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven who will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, in your name do we not prophesy, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name do many miracles. And I will declare to them, I never gnoskoed you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, I don't know about you, but if I saw someone who was prophesying and casting out demons and doing many miracles, wonders, and signs, I would look at them and go, woo, super Christian. But according to Jesus, they're not even getting in unless they have the intimacy. And wouldn't it be a sad thought if, if, you, if, you, had, if you had perfect attendance at church, could you imagine? And you, you did Bible quizzing and all, and all the answers, and you, you paid the preacher $50. I wish you would. And, and, and I mean, wouldn't it be amazing if, if, you, if you did all the things that we're supposed to do in church and you dress the right way and you talk the right way and you sing the songs the right way and on key and you know you just did the things and you find out at the end you're not making it well what determines if i go to heaven or if i go to hell oh, relationship intimacy jesus says Woo! if you have this you're in if you don't have this i'm sorry folks we cannot call you a christian 
Because the determining factor of whether you're a Christian or not a Christian is not if you know the creeds and not if you attend church. It's, are you wrapped up in intimacy? Do you have relationship? Now, when you look at this idea of gnosko, it's such a phenomenal idea. We've got to go quick. But do you realize that gnosko, it never plateaus. This thing gets better and better and better and better and better as time goes on. Uh, have you ever seen a cute old couple? I love cute old couples. I can't wait to become a cute old couple. There's some things that have to happen first. But, like, I have to get married and I have to get old, you know. But, but I can't wait. There's something about cute old couples. Uh, haven't you ever noticed that, like, a cute old couple has spent so much time together that they have, like, their own language? It's like they don't even have to talk anymore. He looks at her and she looks at him and a whole conversation has taken place. Isn't it neat that a cute old couple can spend so much time together, they start to talk like each other, they start to act like each other, they start to look like each other. What would be neat if we had that with Jesus? I mean, wouldn't it just be so phenomenal if, if I could get so wrapped up in the relationship and the intimacy with the living God that I, because I just spent so much time with him, I just started to act like him and think like him and talk like him. I'm not him, but oh, it's like I'm... And I could become like a cute old couple with Jesus. What do you call that? Gnosko. Relationship, experience, intimacy. And Jesus says, woo, this is eternal life, folks. And if you have this, woo, you're in. If you don't have this, you can call yourself whatever you want to call you, but you, you're not a Christian. Now, if you take all of that and come back into our Philippians chapter 3 passage, this thing is phenomenal. So again, in the context, Paul says, hey, I've got the right background, I have the right education, I, I mean, I grew up in the right family, I mean, I have, I have everything that anybody would boast about, but I'm willing to look at all of that and count it as a loss. In fact, I'm willing to count all things to be a loss. In fact, I'm willing to look at all things and count it but rubbish in view of knowing Jesus. L listen to the passage again. He says in Philippians 3, 7 and 8, but whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish that I may gain Christ. So the question then is, what word does he use for the word knowledge? And I would have, if I had to guess, I would have said, well, obviously he uses gnosko, but he doesn't which just ticks me off. Because you would think, come on, Paul. Do you, do you know what word he uses there in, in Philippians 3.8? He uses the word nostos, facts, data, information. So here's what Paul's saying. I have the background, I have the education, I have the right upbringing, I have the right family. I mean, I have, I have everything that you would ever boast in in the old Jewish culture. But I'm going to look at all of that and set it aside and count it as loss. In fact, I'm going to look at everything and count it as not just loss, but rubbish. If all I had was a single newspaper headline that said Jesus is Lord. That he is so good and he is so phenomenal and he is so extravagant that, that even if I didn't have a relationship with him, if all I had was information about the fact that he is king of kings and lord of lords, if I just had that information, I would be willing to dump my entire life just to have that. Isn't that incredible? That if Jesus is so phenomenal that even just information about him is worth dumping your entire life and exchanging 
the best of your life for information about him, do you, do you recognize how good he is? But I love what Paul does. He doesn't stop with wanting to know about Jesus. He's not content with two plus two equals Jesus. Because as he gets into verse 10, and here's, here's the climactic statement. He says in verse 10, yes, I'm willing to dump all of that to just know about Jesus. But he says, but my passion and my focus and my desire is that I might gnosko him. Paul says, do you know what wakes me up in the morning? Do you know what just excites me night and day? Do you know what just turns me on? Do you know what I, just what I delight in? Do you know what my focus is? Yes, I'll take knowing about him, but if I get to choose, I, I, I want to know him, folks. I don't want to just know about Jesus. I want to know Jesus. And there's a significant difference. I went to seminary. Don't, don't hold that against me. But I went to seminary, and it was interesting when I went to seminary, I had to fight tooth and nail to hold tight to Jesus. Which is stupid, folks. Of all the places that you should thrive in your relationship with Jesus, it should be a Bible school. And yet it was so focused on the academics and so focused on the head knowledge and so focused on knowing about Jesus. And man, I, I had friends who knew all the big theological terms and they could debate you up and down and they knew all the information and they just had all the stuff and they just, and you just sat back going, whoa, but their lives were dead. And man, they were just, they were just full of junk and full of sin and they're just, their, their lives are miserable. Wouldn't it be interesting if what Jesus actually wants from us is, yeah, he wants us to know him and wants us to know about him and, and wants, sure, the obedience and the discipline, that, that's all true. But do you realize there's something greater than all about that? There's something greater than academics and information about Jesus. It's having a relationship with Jesus. It's actually sharing in his life. And again, as, as we're walking through this series, we're, we're not just interested in knowing about Jesus, we're interested in knowing Jesus. If I have a choice between knowing about my niece and getting to hang out with my niece, I want my niece. If you give me a choice between looking at a recipe book for chocolate cake and getting to eat chocolate cake, I want the calories. They taste better. See, I want to experience this thing. And do you realize that, that in the church, there's, there's so many of us who have all the information and have all the details and have all the... And we just presume that because we go to church, we're a Christian. That doesn't make you a Christian. I love the illustration that Corey Tim Boom gives, which is there's this little mouse, and the mouse was up on the countertop in the kitchen and sees this big jar of cookies. Oh, could you imagine? And, and, the, and the, the, the little mouse was just so excited, grabs a wooden spoon, spins that thing around, climbs up, gets on the top of the cookie jar, and just with just over just an overexcitement and glee that little mouse's cannonballs into the cookie jar. Cookie dust explodes everywhere. And as the little mouse hits the cookies, the mouse goes, whoa, I'm a cookie. No. No, no, you, you just ruined a jar of cookies. You know? Do you realize that a mouse in a jar of cookies does not make the mouse a cookie? You coming to church does not make you a Christian. Well, what makes me a Christian? Jesus. It's relationship. It's, it's intimacy. It's, it's oneness kind of stuff. And you realize if we have this, woo, we can call you a Christian. 
Don't you want to be a Christian? And folks, it's really sad to me that in our modern day, we have so many people in the church that know a lot about Jesus who don't know Jesus. Can I ask you, do you go through the motions? Do you go, do you go through the actions? Do you have all the information? Do you know when to stand up and when to sit down and the right things to say and wrong things to say and know how to sing on pitch and know what to wear, what not to wear? I mean, do you have all the information but lacking this? And it's not that this stuff is bad, you understand. I'm not, not against it. I'm a nerd. I love information. I'm not against study. You should study. But you realize that this doesn't, this doesn't save you. This, this doesn't bring hope. This doesn't, that what you need is relationship. And you could be dumber than a rock and ugly too. And if you just had this, you would get in. That's great news for a couple of us. We won't tell you which ones, but you know, there's, but folks, you don't, you don't have to be intellectual. That's, that's encouraging to me. You don't have to be good looking. That's really encouraging to me. Are, are you willing to pursue Jesus? Not more information about him. Are you willing to pursue him? Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we don't want to just know you about you. We don't want to just have all the information. Oh, we don't want to just check things off a list. Lord, we don't want to just bump our head and, and go about the emotions. Lord, we want the real thing. Lord, what would it look like to embrace, to have intimacy, to be filled with, to encounter the living God? And what's so phenomenal to me about, about the Christian life, Jesus, is, is, is not that I, I, I get to know you and then I try to live my life for you. It's I get to know you and you come and fill me. And somehow the Christian life is lived through you and through your wisdom and your strength and your enablement and your grace and your power. And, and I'm just hanging on. Lord, forgive me for all those times where I've reduced you just to, to facts and data and information. Where I have been content just bumbling along and attending church and just putting in my time but not actually going after the life. Lord, I'm, I'm not against knowing more about you, but, but Jesus, I'm desperate to know you. I, I am craving eternal life. Lord, I, 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 do not, I do not want to get to the judgment seat. And, and you say, wow, Nathan, look, look at all the stuff that you did. But man, we didn't have relationship Lord, I want the relationship. I, I, don't, I don't need the smarts. I don't need the good looks. I, I, I don't need the accomplishments. I don't, I don't care about the success. Lord, what I want is an encounter, an experience, a relationship, intimacy with the living God because that is eternal life. Lord, is it possible that you and I could be a cute old couple? That somehow the more time I spent with you, the, the more time I just lived in your word, I just... I just couldn't help myself. I just started thinking like you and had a heart that beat for the things that, that you care about, that, that my words began to change, my thinking begins to change, my attitude begins to change, my, my actions begin to change, my, my whole life begins to change. And yeah, there's obedience, and yes, there's discipline. I get that, Jesus, but, but what if all of this could just be you sucking me up into the greater reality of, of the Christian life, which is knowing you? Lord, like Paul, I want to know you.
And Lord, if we're going to live in light of the word, if we're going to live in light of the fullness, if we're going to abide and abound in your life, Lord, we've got to know you. Not just know about you, we've got to know you. So Lord, do not allow us to be content with mere information. Lord, don't let us be merely content with with just the church attendance stuff. Lord, would you give us a passion, a craving, a zeal, a desperate desire to know you? And Lord, we just want to say thank you that you've given us everything we need to know you, that it's available. Oh, it's so incredible. We do love you. Thank you for what you're doing these days in your precious name. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. If you'd like to learn more about Ellerslie, our discipleship programs, or support the ministry financially, please go to ellerslie.com to learn more. Thanks for listening.